welcome to Frame Rate, the show where we rate frames and general film appreciation podcast. Hey, hey everybody, hi, I'm Abe Epperson, and guess what? I have a co-host! Surprise, motherfuckers! It's yeah! not like usual, there's two this time. Michael oh. here, Michael Swaim, as well rating Frame. And uh, excited for this sort of Christian kick the frame rate has been on lately, you know? We did Last Temptation of Christ. <laughs> that's right. Now we're talking yeah, that's Leviticus. Right. Yeah, dude. Hard turn Ooh. into an evangelical podcast. That's what I, I'm here I missed, for. I missed Last Temptation of Christ. I need to listen to that. I apologize. You do. You do. Yeah. And who are those sultry tones emanating from? Please introduce yourself, our very special guest. Hello, I am Brooks, the person that they call when a movie is weird. That's right. Hey, that's good. Yeah, that's a good description of it. And this movie is weird. Today, we're looking over Mad God, 2021's Philip Phil Tippett's The Master. You know him from the meme, the dinosaur supervisor from Jurassic Park. He's the guy who uh, decided, he's the guy who invented the line in Jurassic Park, I think we're extinct, when shown computer animation for the first time stop motion artist go motion frontiersman Mm -hmm. uh he worked on this film for 30 years alone well not alone he had some students work on it with him so there's actors in it and stuff but more or less all the puppetry all of the filming was more or less done on his own time a labor of love project and it is i i don't know how how would we call this and it uh, experimental horror film, stop motion experimental horror film, well, I guess. Fresh me. Yeah, that's a fair approximation, genre wise. But, like, did we, Brooks, did you nudge us toward Mad God? That, that was in a list you gave us, right? It, it was. I, I, you guys, I think, wrote, and because uh, I keep begging and begging and begging to do, I'm thinking of ending things. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, apparently, mm-hmm. y'all are on a Kaufman hiatus, which is fine. And so I just started throwing mm-hmm. random films that are exceptionally strange that I think would be very interesting to talk about. And it's Mad Gone's on that. It's not so much a genre thing for me. I find like the the unique thread in the movies that I keep throwing at you guys is that I think they'd be interesting to talk about. And uh, because they are so either esoteric or weird or there's discussions to have this one specifically about how medium and message may or may not necessarily coincide well enough or how Mm -hmm. they work together. Um, Mm -hmm. Sort of as a, it came up because I know we discussed Anomalisa and I love Anomalisa and we had a discussion about stop motion there. And this feels like another way to continue that. And we have had discussions about like kind of Lumo narrative in general. Yes. So that will be a good discussion. I definitely want to take a moment just to do the appreciation, which I think is the lens that most people kind of perceive this film, which is the absolute, um, you know, artistry that's at yeah, work should we here. Just get that out of the way. Like it's it's an yeah. accomplishment of technical craftsmanship that's almost mm-hmm. unparalleled in terms of stop motion. It, it right or Brooks, you'd agree with that, I mean, right? As a I, I, technical so feat, I, I, the first half of the film, absolutely. It's it's the first half of the film is unspeakably stunningly beautiful, and mm-hmm. I don't care how grotesque anything is. I found I was in awe of almost every visual, how it was done, how things were shared on screen. The opening scene, for example, the grandeur of it and the grandeur of the factory mm-hmm. and all these things. It's it's one of those things where there's moments in it where 
uh, you know that there's more cleverness going on than you can tell. It's mm -hmm. um, someone once showed me the behind the scenes of the first Dune movie where they basically had a matte painting 500 yards away from the actual scene and were filming through it in order to utilize force yeah. perspective. Like that moment, I didn't pick that up ever until seeing it literally in that behind the scenes. And I feel like there's so much of that in this that is like, it just shows again, he's the guy. This is the dude who yeah. did all of this stuff. And it's so clear in so many moments. Yeah. Robocop, uh, Starship Troopers, Jurassic Park, Star Wars. And you can see kind of the echoes of what he finds fascinating or like the mechanisms that he can create, the little machines of the puppets. Mm. Like, for example, I, there was a uh, th there's a, uh, a big worm thing that is at one point stabbed <laughs> with one? like... A yeah, exactly. Uh, is stabbed with a huge like three prong needle and gets murdered. Oh, that one. And I couldn't help but look at it and go, "That is exact. That like it smacks of the brain bugs from Starship Troopers." Oh, um, really? You know, yeah. Like it's just the way the way it moves and the way it's scared mm -hmm. uh, when something's about to prod it. Um, some of the coolest shit I've ever seen. Um, yeah, there's also completely new stuff like the mu the mud moss monsters that mm -hmm. keep getting burned by a furnace, like very stark imagery. What were you going to say? Oh, it was Michael? interesting that you call those monsters. I, I felt very sympathetic for the moss mud men who I thought kind of represent us in some way, but, uh, yeah, there's no dialogue to speak of, so we'll have to get into, of course, what we thought the major themes and things right. represented. But I was just going to say that there's something so familiar about the specific way that he does stop motion, uh, Tippett, that I found myself feeling nostalgic for, which mm -hmm. is a very weird thing to say, for the way in which the things moved. Not even mm -hmm. the particular designs, but the actual, I'm like, I can tell that it's Phil Tippett doing the stop motion. Mm -hmm. It does feel different than a Leica or a, you know, any other, you care to name, the Nightmare Before Christmas guy or what have you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I can encapsulate this really, really quick, which I think I should, because then I want to bust through too. So great. It, this, I mean, Brooks alluded to the second half being weaker, but we all agree that the highs of this movie feature some really, really keen stop motion and design, right? But in oh, a nutshell, sure. it's... Uh, the story of this non-speaking character who I guess the screenplay identifies as the assassin uh, being sent down with a briefcase bomb to go fuck something up. And he wanders around this dystopian hellscape going down and down and down. And eventually uh, his bomb uh, fails to go off in, uh, initially. He's captured by a doctor who performs surgery on him, pulls a weird worm out of him. That worm is taken by this floating plague doctor creature into a subterranean base where it is, it's, it's like condensed into soul glitter. And that soul glitter is used to create an explosion that seems to cause a universe to form. And then uh, the assassin's bomb goes off and then there's some other imagery. So I like, I'm glossing over everything, but just so people who've never heard of this get the gist, it's like a weird, trippy, psychedelic, trip through a very unpleasant environ um and it has a bunch of uh you know big swings that i think are meant to be archetypal symbols of what phil tippett is interested in discussing so uh since it has no dialogue and is just sheer imagery i think it's a great place to start to just ask like 
what'd you guys get out of this? Or, or did you feel that sense of dawning comprehension? Did things congeal in a way that made sense to you? Or did it just seem like a ramble through hell? Yes. Yes, both? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I would say both. So for me, I there were moments, I think, again, and I that it, first half is probably the wrong way to put it. I think um, just, again, it's hard to get away from how the movie was made in the 30 years and like the meta commentary on the film without uh, in, in talking about the story. But I think you can tell that there are parts where he had a very clear vision of what he was going through. And there are parts where you can start to see threads come together and then almost unravel and then not really ever come back together again. And then suddenly something else. And you can see that there's kind of this, I, it felt at least to me early on that there was larger commentary about how systems of violence produce themselves and how, uh, again, we're just going to, are we going to do spoilers? Like we're just doing spoilers. Oh yeah. 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 Go uh, for it. Yeah. The assassin ultimately is also part of the same machine as the rest of the industrial world he's going into to destroy that is ultimately about building a new world that in the end comes to the place where, hey, look, the assassin's here again. And it's this kind of uh, never-ending cycle of violence that perpetrates violence. That's kind of what I've got out of it. But yeah. I'm really stretching, I think, at that point to say that for sure, because there's a lot that points in other directions, and I don't know if he really had an idea for that. Yeah, I uh, I, I tend to agree with Brooks on the yes to both. Um and uh, I, you know, ditto on the kind of I think that it, it meanders in a way that is um, not necessarily unpleasant. I mean, unpleasant maybe to some viewers because it's literally unpleasant, but like it's not necessarily uh, like that. I would say something that I would knock against it because I think it's an experimental and it not necessarily a tone poem, but definitely something that's not trying to grapple with the narrative and put it's not narrative front you know, uh, narrative facing, I guess, uh, it's, for example, <clears throat> something that I notice about craftsman style. Like if you look back in film history and you look at someone like Stan Brackage or something like that, where it's like, you're using the medium in a completely different way than anyone else is using the medium or like Norman McLaren, who is an animator as well. Like it's, it's pretty amazing what they accomplished in this just by watching a series of shots usually the inserts in this because they have so much control over it it creates this weird feeling where it's like it's almost it'd be easy to just get some concrete and get someone wearing the right shoes and just have the person do it it looks so good when mm -hmm. the final product that it almost does look like that, but they're still using, they're so advanced in some of the uh, stop motion that you're like, well, then why don't you just do live action? Cause because you're basically, they did. no, no, they yeah. Did. Well, I mean, they, I know they did live action, but there's some stop motion shots. I know that actually, you mean there's shots of his feet yeah. walking where you're like, you could have cheated that. That could have been people easily. And um, I, kinda, I, 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 there are some of those that I believe he did. I think I think there was um, there's also, you know, a lot of the um, what is it? The uh, the a lot of the footsteps and yes. stuff. You mm -hmm. can specifically the footsteps on the concrete. I, I actually think the vast majority of those that are showing like down the way that the paper falls, mm -hmm. the size of it, this the setups either yeah. either he has ways of doing stop motion that I've literally never seen before mm -hmm. um, or it's live action. And also to mention 
the two people who've ever asked if he used CG in this, he never answered. Just mentioning. I think he did compositing. He also did no, layering. No, no, straight up CG, not compositing. CG, oh, okay. Um, yeah, we'll see. I he definitely... I wondered about maybe the one day um, say. baby in the blood jar at the end. He, that did look CG to me. There's a couple things in it that, um, again, it the, the, the paper's falling. There's a handful of things mm -hmm. that very much look like they were added. And, and the, I found this to be where the distraction away from the story. Uh, I want to stick with Abe's first point, though, because I think, to me, the pacing and experimental nature of it, if that, the way the story was told in the first 30 minutes-ish, if that was the whole movie and it kind of kept that aloof, not really telling us an even zero words thing all the way through, I think mm -hmm. it, it could have been incredible. Mm -hmm. that He went away from that and it became kind of this sort of anthology of random moments sort of towards the end the pacing i think shifted and he tried to tell the story it's like it's almost like when he began it he he had faith in this vision and then over time he tried to turn it into a thing and give it a point and it kind of didn't to me it didn't land at all mm -hmm. yeah i don't think he was ever that interested in, in conveying a clear design. message yeah yeah, and designing a uh, message that he's even not. I mean, I think he wanted something, some form of coherence. There, you know what it reminds me of, and uh, people have listened to some frame rates. Uh, there's a era of animated like cinema that no longer exists anymore, and it it really happened in the fifties, sixties, and seventies, where you get these animated kind of um, shorter films. The one I'm thinking of that is we covered on Frame Rate is Fantastic Planet. And it, their whole point was almost to um, not have a point. Like it, it was always, I think that Brooks earlier uh, suggestion about like, there's a cyclic nature to this, uh, you know, I don't, he doesn't make specific mention about like war profiteering, but there's some impulse to, we must create this society and the society will self-destruct. That is the nature of things mm -hmm. that seems to be his commentary on it. And I don't think it's necessarily important to him that he's consistent in that. It's just that you think about that at one point, it's mostly here to see the monstrosities, right? The, the amazing kind of like, look at the imagination of it. Um, and I think that that's, I think he's very aware that that's how people want to see. That's what he's a craftsman. They, they want to see that part. Um, and so because he's aware of that, I don't think he, he goes out of his way to ensure that there's, you know, narrative elements that really uh, nail at home what he's trying to say. Cause I don't think he's trying to say anything. I disagree, mm. which is good for podcasting. Uh, I think there's clear indications that he does mean stuff that's pretty clear, but it's not sophisticated stuff. It's pretty basic. Like, I mean, the uh, fact that it opens with the Leviticus quote of God explaining it's, you know, the angriest God ever gets in the Bible where you read it and you're like, Jesus, this God is very upset this god will fuck you up and it's like well you know i understand the theme of so this is just a visualization of what would the universe be like if god was that evil uh maybe this and i gotta say it's up there with hieronymus Bosch for a chilling depiction of uh hell to me like the two things that really struck me one was just the viscerality of the uh very Bosch like the giant guys getting shocked and shooting their guts out all the time and then a monster titus Wolliver's Bosch is what you're referencing right 
the that's right yeah of course the series bosh yeah uh it has that same grungy feel no um well there was that episode where he and he and his wife were eating piles of shit made by into blood pods yeah and he turned around and he just had a huge set of titty balls yeah (laughs) oh my god the the over the slave overseers that just splatter shit out of their titty balls butts yeah yeah there's some freaky shit in this but i was uh i was on a ramble about how it actually has some cohesion and I would just point to things like, for example, the Tower of Babel having the or Babel having the big red sun behind it, and that shot is exactly recreated in the end when we have the pocket universe destroy itself, right? Right. And um Which is like the hackiest hack shot. Like I just it's stuff like that that I'm just fair, but that, it speaks to intentionality. No, like no, it's I'm, on I'm 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 hundred percent <laughs> siding with you. I I don't think I'm but I, I think maybe even I'm landing between you guys. I think Early on, he was doing this. I don't even think he started necessarily with it being a grand commentary, more of a, hey, this is going to be the worst place ever, and it's going to be his hyper-nihilist version of our world, mm-hmm. and there's little bits in there, and then over time, it became, he had to have a grand point, and it even ends, I mean, it ends with the two, th- the, you mentioned it earlier, the weird shot with the baby in the jar. There's mm-hmm. no way to me that's not like a direct reference to direct 2001. Reference. Oh, yeah, because like, there's the monoliths as well. Yeah, exactly, and it's just like... Uh, like what it like the complexity of Kubrick's statement you're just co-opting there it doesn't really I think fit he's your refuting it I think he's saying in his opinion so in 2001 the baby was used to show that humans are destined to ascend to a few a further level of consciousness or have the potential to in some way sure. I think he's saying no we don't we're just fucking fetuses in jars you know like i i feel like uh i see whether you agree or not i think the message of the film is uh a cynical message which is that human and slash humanoid civilizations are always destined to self-destruct because that is the way of things um i don't even know if i agree with that message but it's fine to say right or that's okay to enshrine in a film if that's your thought and that is what i got from this is just a big meaty swing at I'll I'll tell you the other thing that felt intentional to me that I did find chilling and impactful which was that because the assassin doesn't speak and we follow him I thought he was a good guy or I was always rooting for him just by sheer instinct just because he's the main character right I was like oh this is our guy okay he has some goal I want him to succeed or whatever then slowly but surely over the course of the movie you realize as Brooke said he's also just the same as everything else in this world. Like he's a piece of shit. He sees that monkey thing getting tortured and he just ignores it. He sees the Moss uh, pyramid slave guy getting stomped by an overseer and he just ignores it. And you're like, oh, the guy we're riding with is also a sociopath. Uh, Nothing is good in this world. Nothing is. He, I, Mm -hmm. I don't know if he, it's intention. I don't know if those moments are intentionally trying to make you think that he's a bad guy. I think he's trying, they're trying to say he's a cog in the system and he has a mission. Like he's being sent on this mission and he is as faceless as the other monstrosities in this world. That's what I mean. He is of this world. The dehumanizing is interesting. He's dehumanized. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that they're. There is a hope is the big when we're talking about this concept of this nihilistic kind of bend. The question is, does your movie, does your story have hope? I think that you're supposed to believe that there's hope. And I think the bomb is representative of that. And I think that the final ticks 
are kind of in a in a way of like Sidney Lumet's like fail safe are supposed to make you believe that there is some semblance of hope that we maybe we could restart a universe that isn't this horrible but he doesn't go into it because he doesn't i think in the end he only wants to parade around the you know monstrosity of it all and just show the world that he created that's what i meant earlier by there's no narrative to speak of well so it's not that he's not clear at any instance it's just that you know like in the end i don't think it really holds water because he he's saying both things he's saying yeah that too yeah, and sure. it, it, that's I, I I agree on that. I the the cohesive narrative. I do think he was trying for something. I, the one, well, again, uh, the the one human. I I just there's a lot of issues I have with. It. Obviously, they went and back and shot things. The the one guy who sends the assassins down is named the last man. That's mm-hmm. his name. Yeah. Uh, uh, but he's not. There's like the surgeon and the nurse. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, well, that's weird. Um, whatever. But then, like, the implication is that, uh, oh, the, the machine is this big. It feels like the assassin is an interloper from outside the machine. But we zoom out and we see, oh, look, it's also part of the machine. Then we zoom out again. And then it kind of ends with the last man being the god on top of the tower looking down on his subjects. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it gets so fucking muddled. Like, I I am one for weird. And it's one of the things I love about this is, again, the first half feels like there's a lot more intentionality or thought or even or less thought, I guess I would prefer almost less thought than a lot of the stuff towards the end of the film. Yeah, I agree. Um, And like, but it feels like at some point he put in the wrong amount of thought, I think is how I would put it. And it sort of started becoming a, well, maybe this is that and trying to force stuff that to me, again, the second half of the film mostly just didn't work. And, and I don't think there's a cohesive, there is a cohesion. I think he was trying to get to one because if you look back, this is not a man who should be telling grand stories on his own. Uh, his big sort of breakout directorial writing hit was Starship Troopers two. So <laughs> like, this is, this is a person who like did this almost as a reaction. I don't want to ascribe too much to him, but the timing of the film starting right as CG was becoming a thing. And as he was seeing that this old format was dying and he wanted to prove there's something more there. Uh, you can almost feel the parts of the film that are part of that energy versus the post Kickstarter. I'll finish this. I have to now. I've got a hundred grand. Let's get a green screen in here, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that. I see that. I see that once the it might be an aspect of of switching to using human figures because I will say once the doctor and nurse become a thing. Uh, it starts to feel almost like a Sega CD full motion video game. <laughs> where you're like, right, it's just yeah. weird to see the doctor as a human in the in this context. Um, but it's he, also very poorly done. It's done. That's what I mean. It looks like the comping is kind of sloppy. It cost $100,000. Yeah. 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 Well, no, I wouldn't like. even I wouldn't even say that. Like, let's say I told you guys, hey, we're going to do a scene with a nurse and a doctor like you two would film better than that. Uh, I'm serious. The practical yeah. effects, maybe not so much, but the lighting, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the lighting is not the strong suit of the film. You're right. Uh, well, it yeah. is early on, though. That's the part, though. It is, or like the first half hour lighting is used so fucking yeah. well. Mm. Uh-uh. <laughs> but no? if it worked on you, good. As, as, you he's, know, as he's I dropping. I am not going to tell you what visually you know your your taste should be right, however it hits you is how it hit you no i'm not saying he's not making mistakes i'm not talking about the overall cinematographic i'm talking about the use of lighting 
as he's dropping the the capsule and how it's casting shadows as it moves down for example um it, overall lighting sure there's a this is not a like a brilliantly made film overall i think the stop motion is phenomenal but like lighting early on things have a a quality almost unto them that again if he had just carried it through i think it may have helped a great deal but it it, it just so much of it falls apart for me in the second act so much yeah. Yeah, I uh, I think that that's that's what works is that I think sometimes those imperfections uh, create an effect in the eye where you go like this is what it ought to look like you know mm-hmm. and it's that kind of is ought kind of situation that you fall in love with and I think that that's fine I think that that's how some movies work especially in animation or stop motion where it's like the weirdness of just the quality of you know you know images that you're getting and the motion quality of the motion is itself uh so loud that you can't help but like you you can't ignore it so you might as well embrace it he does understand that aspect of it which is one of makes him the one of the greatest stop motion artists of all time but also this film so and this is the other thing and i'd love to discuss kind of because we got into this a little bit with anomalisa on the nature of the medium and the message and how stop motion tends to become the message itself I found throughout most of this, let's talk about just the first like 20 minutes. There are scenes where the stop motion is spectacular. And then there are scenes interstitial in that, that he doesn't use stop motion at all. He has a remote control car or driving through models. Yeah. Yeah. And it's real time or dragging a hot wheels truck across a two by four. Like it was weird. There are weird moments of like, wait, like, it, in the in the promise to me of this film took 30 years to make and as you start and it's 100% stop motion you're like oh fuck this this level it takes a lot to do stop motion at this detail i can't wait to see everything in stop motion and then basically slowly that completely dis- dissolved and mm. uh the cars scenes i think were the first moment of it the actor scenes uh took me out of it too it's the medium so deeply pulled me back out of the story and then i had to like force myself back in or just accept that they're cool visuals and it was a very strange thing overall for me too many shots of the doctor pulling coins out of his guts i was like we get it we get it live action (laughs) shots of hands this is now not interesting anymore visually sped up footage baby (laughs) yeah yeah but uh but again i do think it meant something or was trying to kind of mean something right like were full of he was full of jewels and pages of written material and then the little worm thing right it's like your thoughts and your value it's and your soul spine baby yeah yeah i don't know i just uh, it's interesting to me abe that can you point to the part in the movie that made you think it had hope cuz i really thought it was an eloquent depiction of it's okay to make a movie where the message is no there is no hope life is bad this is a mess- movie about that or like landing um, on the side of hopelessness was really. I guess what I got the way I perceived this movie was that at first I was like, okay, so this is like Dante's Inferno, right? And we're following the pilgrim. And then I was like very quickly, oh no, this man has mission. It is not that he's gonna go into hell and just see what's up. He's got a mission, and that mission specifically is to bomb something, probably strategically, you know, beneficial. And when that creature takes him away from the bomb, uh, he's clawing for the bomb. Not mm. f- he doesn't care. He's just trying to set it off. Like it's the most important thing to him. We are also 
set up in a world where yeah he's i think the last like as uh brooks was mentioning he's sent by the last man and i don't think that we're supposed to be that confused about i mean it's neither here nor there but like we don't know if the doctor and the nurse are necessarily human they are shot live action that's what is confusing and i agree to that end but i think the whole intention of the last man is i think we're supposed to look at He's a king. He's also one of the only free, like freely acting people or entities in the world other than like the alchemist or like the mad god himself, I guess, is whatever that monster is. But um, I think you're supposed to believe it's the idea of agency. I, I have an idea of something that wants to occur. So where the hope comes from me is that you get some semblance of an idea that this bomb represents the destruction of everything. It's this is a horrible landscape and it's like burn it all it's it's mm. complete yeah and so if that's true and the monstrosities that we're supposed to look at we're not ever sympathetic for in fact most of the time we're being told this is a horrible thing this, to be a part it just of this sucks to be around here generally. i think <laughs> uh, hope is kind of something that you can intuit that is like um you know is the bomb is there to destroy it right so yeah, I this would, hope is the sweet release of death. That's the only thing you can hope for, I think. So yeah, I, I, but he, but here's where the the there are issues throughout it, and I I'm not sure if it's necessarily intentional, but there are, uh, let's just say the assassin, but there's also from the creatures made of the shit factory workers mm -hmm. all the way through to the random animals. There are there is kindness and curiosity and care that comes from them and is is projected in the moments of it. The assassin is not just simply looking out for things. He actually finds himself concerned with the well-being of things and pushing himself past. It's clearly broadcasted like four or five times. Uh, right, the factory yeah. worker that approaches him as he's coming down the hatch, who's curious about him, shows that they aren't just mindless automatons. Uh, the animals kept by the sort of weird Igor hunchback mutant thing uh, that he ultimately does feed to like crazy spider thing are friendly, happy, caring, giving like so there is hope and it's mm. the kind of thing yeah. like they they use hope but he never again never really dives to that next point of like hey uh actually hope is literally extinguished or not possible or yeah like what does hope do to nihilism like there's no causality in it right no He's just I, saying I, see i thought there is a resolution in the sense that the plague doctor creature is trying to create a universe that's not so horrible, or this is my interpretation of the ending, but I could be wrong. It's just what I got out of it. I thought they were taking the souls of the assassins and using them to create new universes in the hopes that those universes will somehow be not so bad. But as we see in the montage at the end, every time they make a universe, all that happens is in the end an assassin blows it up yeah. like that is what life life exists to swallow itself life exists <clears throat> to die like that is what life is dissolving right, yeah. the shit I, I guess that's true <laughs> that in that interpretation where it's like it is cyclic and unchanging uh then there is then hope is an illusion and so that means that just blunt nihilism wins out and that that is a point so I would say that that's that interpretation. I would agree with you. I don't know if I necessarily, I don't know if I necessarily understand exactly what's happening in terms of like the restarting of the universe. What what in the final moments of the film? What is being contributed by the 
the magic gold dust that is the ground remains of the you know, worm like that the, came out of the assassin the spine <laughs> yeah. baby yeah what is the magic from that and what is the magic that's coming from this bomb of dynamite that is to be placed in i don't know no it, and it's, it's placed and, in the middle of nowhere frankly and, and i'm with you completely because this is where because i mike I, th- I think you're right i think the intention is this idea of uh those born of violence ultimately become violence like you can't have a child born of horrific means that won't have sort of be born of that like the mm-hmm. the cyclic nature and i think again he's it's throughout the film he's always pushing towards the cyclic the cyclic the cyclic but i just don't think it ever really pays off because he does a lot of shit to sort of like you know dress up and make something pretty or make something add on to that uh almost like not to use another version of cyclic or meta, but like it's all hats on hats on hats on hats. It creates a lot like, of noise around the signal. It's yeah. it's so much where you're like, but wait, why did that have to happen? Did that contribute? Did that change anything? Like, why did you even? If you can just make. Why would you need this baby? If you can just make worlds, just go do that. Use something else. If this has never worked, why would you keep wanting? Mm-hmm. It's it's it just is a very like, I don't know. It loses itself in this uh, idea of nobody has agency. And that that moment when it's clear that the cycle never ends and no one has agency that I don't know, it just falls for me. Like it's I it's not even a good commentary on not having agency almost. It's a very strange it's a very strange film for me. It's um have you guys seen uh YouTube short films yes. the backrooms? Oh, no. <laughs> This is guy Kane Pixels, who's like a young VFX artist, found, and he's making this found footage horror stories as like a YouTube playlist, like a movie that's a ah, YouTube playlist. Cool. And the story is, I believe, taken from some form or community-based storytelling website. Uh, and it's like a, the idea is it's like is it Stranger SCP Things. Stuff? Yes, um, it's like a Stranger Things esque portal where you enter. Instead of the inside, the upside down or whatever, you in, uh, enter this enormous empty liminal space that looks like an office. And then at one point they find a creature and it chases them. But it's got the similar one person made it. Its artistry is clear to see. Like the artist behind it is one of like you're like, this is done by one guy. This is better than most Hollywood. And, like it's a real. This is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the the narrative that's there is very stretched where it's like we're just giving you little bits of lore because we think that's cool right we think the lore is a little bit cool and we want consequences to come from like we want beats to occur we want a chase scene we want a creature we want you to be horrified in a new way in this set sequence but like in order to get there there is no writing really it's just and then we keep walking to the next thing. That's why I keep uh, thinking about Dante's Inferno with this film is that it's very much, I'm going to choose a format. I'm going to choose a structure of a story that is like walking into a zoo and looking at different pens and going, look at that now. And now look at that. If that is the reason for going to the house for in the house in this metaphor is the movie, who cares uh, if it's inconsistent in the ending or if mm. the, the universe was made by, you know, a, a ground up monster or it was made, you know, like by dynamite or like what that matters. 
you're just here to enjoy the tripod type alien zapping people out of existence with the dick spear. You know, like that's that's what you're doing. Uh, and so I guess that's to me the main takeaway from this movie. Film is a sensory experience. It's allowed to be just yeah. that. Um, and I think you guys probably agree. Well, feel feel free to not. But I mean, I know you guys know this. Well, I I don't agree with the tone, young man. <laughs> like I don't. Agree. You seem to be saying <laughs> yes, it, sir. You seem to be saying it as if that's a lesser experience than a film with a message, which I'm. I agree with on an emotional level, but I guess I'm trying to refute both of our instincts when I say we're big story guys. But film yeah. is also just a pure sensory experience, right? There's value in pure sensory experience, like in the animation mm -hmm. itself, uh, I suppose. But you do agree with me, though. I agree with you in terms of your cup of tea is also my cup of tea. I wish this okay. had a more coherent story. Uh, and my brain stretches to make it have that. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like there are sequences that are things, right? Like the factory sequence. I do get strong vibes of like, this is about capitalist exploitation and how capitalism uh -huh. destroys us all, but not in any way that's more, it doesn't go beyond that. It's just, it's just a tone like, yeah, yeah. You know, you see guys wandering around getting crushed by industrial bricks and things flying around and you're like, I see. Yeah. Fuck a job. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Capitalism destroys us all, but there's no, there's no detailed insights on that theme. It's just, it's just a tone poem on like around that. And I guess I'm letting people who are within the sound of my voice know that, you know, like whatever you are, like if you're into things that are purely visceral sensory experiences, then this will be right up your alley. I, I, the, the disconnected narrative thing, I think for me, and I'm someone who likes that, um, uh, I think back to films like that sort of introduced me to that long ago, and maybe they're not a perfect allegory, but like Gummo, for example, that isn't necessarily mm -hmm. a hyper tight, uh, you know, a building to a climax with a single character. And then it like, right. like it's, it's a collection of stories that I think has threads that you come out the other side. I find myself moved by the idea that I think was sort of that Harmony was trying to go for with that. And I think there's a lot of films that sort of touch into that. This one I just think uh, those threads just got lost and it's really hard to like, there's the overarching thing, but it never really goes beyond what I would say, like, is like a 19 year old, you know, first year college student of philosophy's sort of take on nihilism or what mm -hmm. suffering is or Life how is capitalism, sad, capitalism destroys. Is bad. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> and it's, and it's someone who, who, you know, read, Ulysses or Dahlgren and went, Hey, cyclical's cool. Like it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it doesn't have the things that make like, like Dahlgren's use of cyclical narrative or Ulysses puts us in a place where it, it changes the meaning of the entire text. When you realize this, this does not change the meaning of the entire text. Like it's basically the same movie, the third or fourth time. I didn't find myself you know, gaining new insights, understanding that the assassin was sent from the outside and is just part of the same machine because it didn't change. It just didn't change anything meaningfully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's not, I don't think he's trying to, 
Uh, that's my personal I think he's, yeah he's flexing his stop motion nuts a lot of the time that is all it right is. like if you're asking yeah like i found myself I, asking like well why do the fates make the maps what does it mean that the maps flake away and fall apart as you travel and you're like nothing it, it looks cool you wanted <laughs> yeah you wanted to create those weird lady things yeah but if you love so I a skin map. This did really succeed for me in terms of density of nightmarish imagery, though. Like if you do love weird and if you do love dark and mutants and chuds and shit, um, how'd you guys feel it succeeded on that level? Like this is I, I think it's notable that oh, it's a course. shutter exclusive. Did it? It's considering that everything you're seeing for the most part, I mean, the stop motion portions are just like goo and glue and paint and shit. I thought it was remarkably visceral and upsetting in a way that yeah, it's surprised the, one me. of the coolest haunted house houses I've ever seen on cinema in cinema. Yeah. Uh, but I guess more to like, I guess more to Brooks point, because I know what you're scratching at, which is that like, if there is no, if there's no ultimate purpose to this, like, then why are you treading in this, uh, in this space? It's kind of this, this attitude of like, well, if you're not going to, if you're not going to, like, if you're not going to swim with the big boys, then fucking get out of the pool kind of thing. Uh, it, it, like, they, why is he trying to posit this narrative like, on us? If you're commenting upon whether life if has, he has nothing value to or say. not, that's a pretty yeah. big topic. Whether life is worth living. Like, yeah, and I agree. I don't should have know. More. I don't know if that's the purpose or that's what we should be seeking out of something like this like i make the reference of a haunted house i think a haunted house can make a commentary about capitalism and have it be incoherent and still be a great haunted house right would you agree with that brooks yes or am i completely oh, no okay, no cool. i i yeah. think a lot of things can be brilliant commentaries on capitalism uh Brave Little Toaster is a children's animated film that I think is a phenomenal commentary on capitalism. But Trolls let's World say it was is an animated film that ultimately is about American exceptionalism and the way that uh, imperialism works around the world. Like these yeah. these things can be done in very simple ways through animation. You don't need a great deal. I actually don't even know if I would say this is necessarily a commentary on capitalism. Like that's this sure. is where I started with, and I'm with you. It's like, you know we're in a factory and uh, every these. These guys being electrocuted, you're welcome to try to tell me the symbolism of the induction of shit out you're of these right. guys. But mm. hey, monster eats them. Hey, yeah. And then they shit out these things. And then at the bottom are these humans that are like the refuse of the refuse that kind of get made that work mm -hmm. in factories that are expendable. Mm -hmm. But then like there's there's no secondary loot like that is a that is the end of that cycle. They but my question is, do you need you? What's wrong with not having secondary loot for? Because like, it's not because the the issue with having a commentary on capital or any of these things is you're talking about a system. It's a critique of a mm -hmm. system. There's no system here. The system yeah. that that the, there isn't one. You have to kind of show that beginning and end. There is no loop. The only loop is ultimately the grand one of, hey, at some point, um, a bug will be turned will a kill bug. You baby bug yeah. a baby be bug will be ground and, yeah. into gold dust and make a new world where all this will happen again which feels like it's almost more of a commentary on the nature of religion at that point but even that it's that's a systemic it, these are systemic commentaries you can't have a closed ending you have to kind of you kind of have to have the system keep going they 
just saying it's basically like I would go back to what Michael said. It's like saying capitalism sucks versus showing why. And that thing where it's just kind of this uh, almost angry old man yells at yells at cloud moment throughout it that I just they never quite got there. Yeah, I agree like that it would be better that says capitalism. Absolutely. Am I right? <laughs> like, yeah, okay. am I right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I agree a hundred percent that like if this had that, it would be better. Um, but if you love all weird that. shit, I just but, keep pounding that drum because like Trolls World Tour may be a more cogent statement on capitalism and imperialism, but Trolls World Tour doesn't have bird demons jerking off a minotaur in an alleyway. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I love yeah. how fucking weird it's pretty and fucking fucked up cool. it is. Yeah, um, I think that that is that's the interesting conversation to me is like, what are we looking for out of something when we see what it's good at, like we are, we ultimately recognize that Phil Tippett is not a writer director. Phil Tippett is, uh, you know, uh, an, an animator and stop motion, you know, creator, uh, a craftsman. Mm-hmm. What is the expectation and what is for us? We all have to ultimately determined, you know, we all have something that needs to be filled inside of us. That is like, this is now, this is good. Uh, and we're unsatisfied when so- when he does this other stuff. And I wonder about when it's like the other stuff. It's the this, the narrative that's clinging to a kind of simplistic, uh, mundane message about something that's a lot larger and, de- frankly, deserves more thought. Uh, and they don't do that. They 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 refuse to do it. They uh, they stick with imagery. They just they like, stick with imagery. It's like you don't. Is go that to the, a knock against it? And I don't know if I, I don't agree. Because you don't go to an air show and again go that story was kind of weak. You know, you're like, right. look at the fucking planes flying by. This took lots yeah. of technical precision and skill to pull off. Uh, right. And that is kind of how I feel. You know, as Brooks has spoken, I have to admit to myself, even that part does fall apart in the second half. Like the technical skill is not Mm. as in abundance but even that there are sequences at the beginning of this film where uh, my mouth was agape with like 100 the stop motion is just wrecking shop right now just at a pure technical level um and i think that has its own intrinsic value i mean we're kind of doing our own cyclical thing where we're like it's good but it's bad it's good but it's bad no no because Uh, it's because it's both look there's a moment in the film very specifically that i think it happened because i i was watching this on a a big screen in my living room and i got to the point right where the shadow puppetry started right before the surgery which mm-hmm. I don't have an objection to. I think if saddle puppetry is cool, any kind of stop motion, like if at that point in my brain, I'm like, oh, this is just going to be a whole bunch of things. He's going to show us how amazing he is at this shit. And at that point I paused it because I had to go do dad, dad stuff. And then I was like, I'm going to sit and rewatch this. I'm going to go. And I, I sat and I rewatched. And then at that point, it was the same moment. That was it for me. The rest of the film, there's still cool moments and they still kind of go back to it. But, there's just too many moments of like, um, there's a scene I almost right after that, where we literally, it's not even stop motion. It's plastic unmoving action figures that are behind a grainy shot that someone is tilting back and forth. And that Mm -hmm. I'm just like, Oh no. And then compare that to the plague doctor floating by that shit looks fucking baller. Yeah, it's, it's the moment the doctor and the nurse comes in and the doctor's looking through his memories or whatever, like mm-hmm. the endoscope goes in his head or whatever, right? Yeah. And he's looking through his memories. 
at that moment, everything is like done in real time. And it's done, I would say, again, if the whole movie was just that and it was like someone just putting a thing out, but it's done poorly after that. Like everything, there's a, there's a level of like, what are we doing here? What's happening? There's a fall off. I didn't notice it until we discussed it, but it's absolutely true. Yeah, that's true. When you go back and you, I, I, I'll send you the, the little animated gif of the little moment where it's like, there's this panning shot behind Ash and it's, I think a guy raping a woman is the intention, but it's just two action figures like you'd see on a model train <laughs> set and you can't see their bottoms, but it's clear that someone's just tilting them back and forth and they're not moving. They're not articulated at all. It's really ugh, moment. It's a question. And I know this is useless because it's like, what if movie was this, which is a useless can, you know, kind of experiment, but because it's fun. Um, if the movie was all the way to the bomb, we get to the bomb like being set up, and then instead of being taken away to the by the doctor and the whole baby arc and the whole the flashback uh, and the whole second half, maybe yeah. it maybe it breaks down. But like we're talking about a movie that's maybe like forty five minutes long. Uh, like we meet the mad god then, or we or the bomb goes off and uh and it there's like a a crescendo at that point we get our our act three kind of climax there maybe he fights off the monster and sets the bomb off or something like that he takes the worm baby and puts it in the body of another assassin that he sends down if it wrapped up there and we didn't have the doctor and nurse sequence we didn't have the uh the 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 wraith that like moves the baby through another process, whole hor- horrific process, yeah. landscape. And we don't get the alchemist who crushes it down to gold and the restarting in the universe. What if we, and we could even have the universe stuff at the end where it's like when the bomb explodes, it just restarts the universe and that universe, it could still have all the nihilism that he, right. that I think Tippett was going for. Now, of course, if, Phil Tippett was here, he would probably be like, no, I wanted this, 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 and this. And you would cut that out, and that's bullshit. That's my movie. And he'd be absolutely right. But I'm just saying, that version of that movie, would that not be like kind of perfect, right? I mean, it would be an Oscar caliber. Like, that's a weird range. You're right. Almost no movie is 45 minutes. That's like a TV pilot. It's 30 minutes that the doctor shows up, by the way, 30 minutes. Oh, 30? Yeah, but I would say say still keep like 25 more minutes of movie. Uh, You're welcome to tell me which parts. Um, It's once the endoscopy mm -hmm. tube goes in his head, everything is downhill from there. I agree with that. I think it's just, yeah, it starts sequences that are. Yeah, it would be pretty perfect if it was just that. I agree with you. I, I, I would say it would be because it would be a nice, tight little Rondo mm. form. It would be like goes down, does a thing, success, yeah, and then oh, it turned out to be useless in the grand scheme of things. Well, and this is the, one of the discussions we had around Anomalisa, and I, and I know we talked about it then. I'd love to. I'm going to go back to it because to me, Anomalisa utilized the medium of stop motion ultimately in purpose. It was part of the story ultimately intertwined and you kind of lost yourself. Um, We all talked about how, you know, you didn't lose sight of the fact that it was stop motion and not actors, but it wasn't the focus. Whereas with this. Until it was, right, when he takes his face off and you're like, oh, it's stop motion. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, and it's this really, but it, but it's used in a way where it's part of the story, I guess would be like, it's narratively sound. I, this one, 
Um, I think it's cool that it's stop motion, but I think this sort of is almost the antithesis of that. If this was not stop motion, would we care as much? And the answer is no. no. That of course not. Not not 100%, even one percent. Not right. No, not even one percent because yeah. the poor the point of this is that yeah. And like, but but then but that would be my question then is if most of the film then is not stop motion. <laughs> Which it's not. Well, I mean, it's it's. I mean, I thought when you said stop motion, I thought you were more meaning broadly the aesthetic and vibe of everything going on. There's um, still some cool aesthetics and vibe work in the second half, but it loses yeah. its stop motion aficionado aspect. Completely. Yeah, that's true. And and well, it no becomes real time, that. right? Sure. Well, yeah, and it's all still pieced together. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It becomes dominant in live action for you know, and less you know interesting visually and but i even assume still the plague doctor a, is live action and comped in because of the way the cloth is floating it moves yeah, yeah. There's, there's a few there's, uh the second yeah. half of the film when he's driving there's multiple shots that are straight up just him like running his sure. finger along the map and it's just a dude in a suit yeah yeah but you know <laughs> who cares well, I mean, I do. That's the great thing. Uh, about but I'm a saying, film whose but I'm saying, why matters? Because then you're like, that's oh, what you I was didn't trying like to ask. Movie? Who cares? Nothing matters. Well, no, yeah, but I, I, that's what I like. Twenty five minutes in, that's why I was asking that question. I was like, why do you care though? It's the I other than because I do recognize the whole concept of like it could have been better. I'm not saying that it can't. I'm not saying it's perfect. Any of that. But if this is supposed to be like. Come in here to see this this shit. Come see the freak which show. It's gonna feel like this. Yeah. See, like come see the show. This is what the oh, promise I can, is. I can tell you why. Uh, yeah. If if in the middle of Corpse Bride, if in the middle of Nightmare Before Christmas, if in the middle of any of the films that have done stop motion, and I think there have been a lot who've done it very very well. Mm -hmm. Stop motion is yes the thing you talk about, but you do lose yourself. If they switched mm -hmm. at any point to live action and had straight actors, like you're angry. Well, the difference is that. In stop action world, that is reality. This stop action world is the physical space that we're able to play in. It's the rules. Uh, creatures mm -hmm. are built X, Y, and Z. We don't really have a handle on how big uh, the assassin is. There's multiple points where we see elves, which are also uh, parts I didn't like early on. Real people are like, the only real people early on are tiny right. and underfoot and squished by the giant assassin. Right. So at yeah. no point, like er for me, how big is this? What is the scale? And that kind of wonderment mm -hmm. is kind of amazing. The moment you add humans back into it and everything's just normal scale, suddenly like that breaks and suddenly it just becomes our space instead of this space. And again, like Corpse Bride is stylized for a reason, Nightmare Before Christmas, all of these things, we don't really know how big anything is, how small it is, what things are made of. And that kind of is the magic of stop motion. And it's, where the magic of this early on to me disappears about again, 30 minutes in, it hits a really yeah. hard wall. There's still so amazing you, shots also to the end. I just want to say like, there's also great shots throughout the rest of the film. Right. Like they still do amazing stop motion shit later on. That's incredible. The two monsters fighting the little mm. uh, like weird troll mutant, the alchemist hunchback yeah. dude. The alchemist is incredible. Like yeah, his great. movements are absolutely astonishing. Some of his stuff, it, it felt human. It was creepy. The fucking two rancors with shovels fighting. 100%. So cool. So cool. Um, yeah. So when it comes down to it for you, it's just the the promise is just not kept 100% of the time. And you would prefer that it does. 
and I I agree. I think that that's I think that's a fair uh, you know assumption that one should make when they walk into a movie, and this one did not do that. Uh, but it did give. I don't. Th- I just think that the runtime was long. That's all. But and it was like eighty-two minutes. But um, how fitting yeah. is it that a film made or whose central message could be, well, you know, it's open to interpretation, but could be nothing matters, everything is hopeless. How funny mm-hmm. is it that halfway through the movie he's like, I'm not, I'm not into this, and didn't try Whatever. as hard. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Who cares? This doesn't matter. I don't know. It almost fits that it has a nihilistic second half, or because a true nihilist wouldn't ever make a movie, right? Where I feel like well, <laughs> if yeah, you're in yeah. the depths of that, um, you wouldn't but, have the wherewithal yeah. to do stop motion. That's for sure. It's very high effort for a nihilist. I think it was a passion project, and 30 years is a long time. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And he did He's some amazing so work. Yeah. And then and then at a certain point, he was like, I have to finish this. So And it's so good. And so I have to finish it really well. Mm-hmm. And then other stuff, he was like, I don't know. Something has to go here. And I never really thought it out, uh, you know, coming back to it, you know, 20, you know, 15 years later. But I got to n- knock this out of the park because the Kickstarter. Ah, that's fine. <laughs> you know, yeah. and you're so you're absolutely right. But it ultimately didn't it kind of like this film was made sort of, you know, and you, you open with the line, uh, uh, we're extinct. Uh, this is the end. Like, uh, what's the line from Jurassic Park that they took from him when he saw the CG? Oh, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're extinct. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. like, didn't uh, he kind of made a film early on that, hey, this is why we shouldn't be. And then kind of showed why they are. <laughs> right. Right. Like it kind of because like, it became uh, too hard. Here, like it would have been easier to just CG this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, like because that gets that gets into assessing the value of mediums. I, I I don't necessarily agree with that because like Leica is doing amazing stuff in stop motion, uh, m- much more interesting things that I've seen by any visual effects house going on right now. Um, I'm not saying stop I, motion can't be yeah. good. I'm saying this is where it goes wrong this is well it's when it's not it this was not built like a film is typically built like annalisa the, the all the films that we've referenced is good any like a film that is built by a village of people doing with with writers with cinematographers with editors not that this film didn't have those things but it was made on the back of one man with his limitations such as they are uh i think that that's that's fine i think we can cut him some of that slack no no again i and i recommend it like i'm not saying Mm -hmm. that i hated this film or anything i i I adore it and i i i'm actively searching for a blu-ray copy um because i really would love to see it in that and it's impossible to find because they only printed them for kickstarter packers which is fine. Um, the I'm not paying $150 for this movie, though. I think would be the other way I'd put it, <laughs> which is what the Blu-ray currently is costing. And it's like, it's amazing. And it is there are parts of this that are genuinely breathtaking. And if it had been a 20-minute nihilistic film about man's inhumanity towards man and where we end up in a cyclical hell of our own making, beautiful. Like, mm. beautiful. And it should have just embraced what it was and gone with that. Yeah. But that ain't that that ain't who Phil Tippett is apparently. No, Starship Troopers too. Have you seen it? Oh no, you should. Oh really? No. Because it's no, no, you should because it it will you'll go oh because it's 
to to the earlier point about like the critique of capitalism, like mm-hmm. all he did here is just like a stop motion version of modern times. Like that's really what right. the factory is, and he's mm-hmm. add with gro- with gross shit added. Modern mm-hmm. times is a genuine critique versus this that is kind of like a ham fisted smack you in the face. Hey, and uh, Star Trek Troopers Two has uh, some of that because uh, the first film, if you didn't know, maybe I'll check it is out. Is a phenomenally interesting subversive text about fascism. Uh, oh, if we've covered. Oh, it, of yes. course. I, I know you have. I've listened to it. that. Was my joke. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, the second one is uh, we'll say not. Is not yeah. Lost I mean the satire angle. Uh, we also yeah. probably I won't be rewatching my you know college film, you know uh, anytime soon either, for the same reason. It's meandering and does what it wants because I was more enraptured by the technology that was like uh, behind it and the fact that I had to make it make it for a class that was based around technology that. When you put it down on paper and like, what's the story about? It's like, I don't know, man. And mm-hmm. I think that that's the situation, uh, you know, obviously that we're dealing with here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's uh, so I probably won't watch Starship Troopers 2 is I guess <laughs> what I'm saying. You will. But eventually. I, bet may, you will. I mean, you there's only so will. many movies. Exactly. There's only You'll so get many to movies. it eventually in the rotation. Uh, how as we wrap up here, my final thought, the. Uh, do y'all notice how out of tone the end credits song is? It's like it sounds like the, oh, Wally, God. the Wally music when they're like repairing the world at the end. It's in my <laughs> yeah. notes. I forgot to mention it. It is insane. Mm-hmm. Completely out of tone. I love you watch this 80 minute epic of like what hell would be like. And then the f- credits come in and it's like, do, do, ba, do, 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 do. It's yeah, like, right. <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah. Toe tapping. Yeah, uh, it's toe tapping hell. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I also got the only thing that I have in my note that I wanted to uh push is there was like two or three times that I got. Have you played? You both are gamers. You played the uh, video game Inside. I got oh, a, yeah, a strong sense of that. In fact, that several times in the opening thirty minutes, uh, in a in order to traverse the enormous city landscapes that the you know assassin is walking through. Uh, several times they do like a side scrolling shot to reveal more monstrosities as we pan from like left to right. And I'm just like, not only is like the, uh, the bulbous masses that like make up most of the characters in this much like the video game inside, they even are doing side scrolling like tactics that inside uses, uh, because that's the the framework. It's platformer, so that's just how Inside works as a video game. And so I just wanted to mention that because I thought that was pretty cool that they're kind of, I don't know, there's a lot of similarity there. Agreed. It definitely made me think of Inside, which is also a piece of fiction that I find really compelling and impactful, but I couldn't really fully tell you what it's about. What it's about. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Nor could I even defend, like I can't even necessarily claim that it's all intentional and it all makes sense. It could just be a bunch of imagery crammed together for all I know. (laughs) Good though. There's another one that I wanted to mention, which is that at one point the assassin hotwires a car and a radio turns on. Oh yeah. And that means that somewhere in this world, there's a DJ. (laughs) Someone's it was super weird. Yeah. Uh, the 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 baby sounds <laughs> coming over the broadcast that is right. Like is there's what is it? Like, it's one of those things. Um, 
Uh, Neil Breen is one of my favorite shitty filmmakers, one of the best sure. of all time. Right. And someone asked him once about um, Shit, like there's a scene, this scene early in his one of his films where he's got like three baby heads in the desert and one's turned <laughs> differently than the others. And someone asked him, like, what what is the meaning of that? And he said, I leave it to the audience, which is like the greatest line in the history of the world. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but like that, a lot of stuff in this feels I like don't know. that where it's like. Why is why is it a baby manager slave driver in the factory that's running shit people? That's not a thing that Because I, managers are babies, baby. Yeah, I, I leave it to the audience to divine their own meaning. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. like, uh, there's a lot of stuff in here where it's like, uh no. No, uh, that's yeah. not how symbolism works. You gotta at least pay something off. I just like the idea of a DJ playing the hits. To this hell landscape <laughs> the I, top 40 I, hell I, tracks i also uh the 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 nurse has to sleep on hay and she has her own room yeah in hell good for her though you know she's got she sleeps she sleeps it just yeah, feels like cool. there's what no logistical nothing works on that level in the movie <laughs> i like you know who's yeah, who's no tending logistics. who's tending to that monkey that's getting electrocuted over and over in that room mm -hmm. with the doll that ties I'll, it just I'll give, forever i'll give infinite i'll give infinite torture a pass i will give infinite torture a pass once we start talking about like the like they literally go out of their way to show the logistics. Like, the of demon this weird sleeps hospital. in this room. <laughs> like, since like when? Why? Don't explain. Like, why? I, I, why do we care? You don't need oh, to show cool me. Room. You don't need to. Sh it is. It's hay on the ground in front of metal. Mm. Pretty cool. But <laughs> says <laughs> you don't have to show me that. Why did you show me that? Oh, you no, needed to have runtime. That's right. I forgot. You wanted that shot where she opens her eyes real wide when the baby screams. That's all. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, I my last actually my last question is, and I'm genuinely wondering: Does anyone have any read on what the fuck the eye is at the beginning and the end, like the post credits eye, right? And how that ties into anything? Oh, well, right. it opens with then I opening and we zoom into the pupil then the whole movie transpires and then after the credits an eye closes. So the only thing I just thought it was as simple as all of life transpires within your mind right life is only perception i mean but it's like what's the point of saying that who cares mm -hmm. if that is the intended meaning that's all i got from it is like stories exist in our brain right behind our eyes <laughs> i'm like yeah that's true that's all i got that's uh, all yeah i'm I mean, standing that's... here with moths coming out of my inside out pockets because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, I literally have less than that so at least you got the moths mm-hmm Mm -hmm. Speaking of moms. especially, I just the first time I watched it, the music and that credits and then the eye just like it, it's just doesn't work. It's over the top in the way where at that point you're like, all right, you're trying too hard. Wrap it up. I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. You should, uh, by the way, find the find the music and, and dub it in right here just over the close of this. Well, because you yeah. just... Let's ride out on the credits. The Phil Tippett's Mad God credit theme. Let's do that. <laughs> Because it's you serious it. and dark with murder and rape mm -hmm. and everything. And then here you go. Um, but before we do, Brooks, I mean, yes, I know some of this just from knowing you, but I don't know what phase. Is there anything you want to plug or promote now? Yeah, here? I, yeah. I, I've got I it's my fun spare time. I run uh, the largest losing Guattari reading group that there is. You can jump on Discord, uh, discord.dg forward slash DGQC. We read Deleuze works. That's what we do. We explain it. 
And we're going to be starting a series of books uh, that may be important and you guys may care about called the Cinema Series, which is Deleuze's mm. reading of how movies work. And it's uh, one of my favorite sets of his books. So um, we have What is Philosophy coming up in two weeks or a week and a half. Uh, we just finished Logic of Sense and we got Anti-Oedipus starting again. We just do a bunch of readings and I just love it. And uh, if, if you're interested in that kind of shit, uh, Google us, Deleuze and Guattari Quarantine Collective. Nice. Thank you so much. Good I learned stuff. how to spell those names from knowing you. Yeah, we are we are we are the people who like the weird movies. That is that is our people. True. So, so. um for more weird movies, god, we did. Yeah, Last Temptation, that's not that weird. We just did Greasy Strangler though. That's pretty damn weird. We've been weird. doing, We've been oh, doing some I'm weird so upset. Lately. I'm so upset We've I didn't get called some... for that. That's the best <laughs> such a good movie. <laughs> Such a good movie. Uh, we also did Southland Tales last month. Potato? Oh my god. Potato? Um, I'm sorry. Potato? I must Potato? know what these chips are made of. Potato. <laughs> oh, jeez. I All fucking right. hated it. We'll be I back hate, next I hated time it on so Frame much, Rate with something like, I don't know, National Lampoon's Vacation or some real normal shit. Yeah, let's fucking. Yeah. Can we just do one? Ah, we're going to cover. Oh, I'm Possessor. thinking of ending things. That's a great idea. <laughs> no, Abe. we're doing uh, Fury Road's coming Never. up. That, there's a good normal. Fury Road. Fury Road. All right. Fury Road's coming up at some point. Yeah, tune in for that. Uh, you can find all our podcasts, including exclusive patron only podcasts like Spielboys and Star Trek The Next Futurama, over at patreon.com slash smallbeans. Um, you can follow me at swaym underscore corp on Twitter. You can follow Abe at Abe the Mighty on Twitter. All one Thank word. You. I think that's that. Yeah. Yep, that's that. That's that. All right. Thanks again to Brooks. Thanks for taking the time. Brooks. Yes. Really Thank you. appreciate I'm very happy you. to. I always love talking with you guys about this stuff. I literally could do it anytime. Yeah. So I'm Quite around. My pleasure. Uh, Till next time, that's us. We love you. We love you. <laughs> This has been a Small Beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!